0: Welcome to the Get It Done Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Ryan. Today, we're interviewing Rochelle Jarvis. Let's get it done. The Get It Done Podcast is sponsored by Team Get It Done. Today, we are interviewing Rochelle Jarvis. She is the CEO and owner of Constant Clothes, Uh, She is uh, the leader of Constant Close Creative, uh, who's basically getting into creative financing, speaking about it, shining more light onto it. She is the uh, owner of a t-shirt business, Relentless After Discipline. She is the proud wife and mother of five. Oh my goodness. Ages uh, 25 to six. Rochelle, welcome to the Get It Done podcast.
1: Thank you, thank you so much, Jimmy. I'm so happy that we connected and we're able to make this happen. Super excited to chat with you today.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I, I, I we met at the Hustle Harder event, and mm-hmm. I just I came right up to you. I was like, man, I just love your passion. And generally, when somebody speaks so passionately about something, I mean, that they love, there's generally like a story there, uh, uh, an epic come up story, which we're going to get into. Um, but before we get into that, there's two things I want to just like touch on, like my goodness, you're, you're, you're an owner of all of these companies. And look, I know how tough it is to be in your business from a time perspective, but you're the mother to five and married. Like, I mean, that's a lot, a lot of responsibility. And then tell us about the, the, the the t-shirt, um, the t-shirt business.
1: Yeah, so um, part of me getting into real estate was uh, for me to be very intentional as a vehicle to do things that I'm very passionate about. Um, I really believe in doing things that you love. Um, And one of the things that I love is being able to share a mission statement or a mission or something passionate that comes from my heart with other people. Relentless After Discipline was born um, when we were at the skate park with our boys. I have four boys. um, And The skate park industry kind of has or the environment kind of has a bad connotation when it comes to it because it's a little bit of a rougher crowd. Um, But my boys just took a liking to it because their dad was involved in it. And as we were trying so hard to teach them things um, from home and then having to deal with the world and all the things that we were, uh, they were being exposed to, this came out of a conversation that me and my husband were having daily. How can we teach our children to be disciplined? Because motivation, that's not really what you need to focus on, right? Motivation, our feelings can be so many different ways daily, focus on discipline focus on creating habits that will make you relentless in whatever it is that you want to accomplish in life so it was born out of our family being in the skate park and it moved into Our entrepreneurial brand were relentless after discipline Um, me and my book me and my husband are both entrepreneurs and we felt like this mission statement as was going to really benefit people in this industry to understand you know the entrepreneur life attracts so many people right they're thinking I can get rich quick I can work for myself people do not realize how hard it is and how you have to be relentless here here hard work And you have to be disciplined in order to make anything happen. So it definitely, like I said, it's a brand that came from our family. It's very personal and passionate to us. But we do feel like this conversation and the mission around this brand is going to be able to help people everywhere. So that's kind of a little bit about the uh, T-shirt. So super, it's it's a passion project. So we're so excited to share that with everybody.
0: Well, what I love about it is is that it really integrates with your family in, in general. Yes. I mean, you have you're you're you paired to five, and you're married, and you and and you're running a business, yeah. and this is real estate. So like, um, in our audience yeah. is generally people in the real estate industry, financial planners, insurance agents that that that, that type. Uh, we all work hard. It's, it's tough yeah. in our, in, in our, mm-hmm. in our, in our business, but to also do it while, while also being the mother to, to five, I mean, like, what's your excuse? <laughs> you
1: right, 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 right. Well, so like, it's so true. Yeah. So true. But like,
0: but here, like, j- just, just to add to it, like motivation mm-hmm. goes away. In, in yep. a minute, you, you know. I mean, you can trick your brain for a minute. You can like force yourself for a minute, get that mm-hmm. motivation. But really, it's about those daily disciplines, the habits that you're talking about. Yep. Um, uh, what? Where did this? I, I guess like, dig a little bit deeper into it because, like, I, I mean, this mm-hmm. is clearly something that you're trying to instill in your kids. Right. Why is that so important to you? What What, what was this like? Birthed out of
1: my mom. My mom is the original epitome of boss babe. My mom um, has her own story, but part of her story was she was a mother. I have two siblings. We've always had people in our home. I had no idea at the age of 15 that my mom got her PhD. She owned a nonprofit organization that was getting national accreditation And she was a mom, cooked dinner every day. So this was my example growing up. Um, And my mom was a uh, psychotherapist. So she was able to help at-risk youth, the people that I went to school, that were in gangs, that had so many traumatic experiences, that these are not the individuals that you put in a room with a counselor when they have traumatic experiences and trust, things of that sort. So, she used psychodrama in the form of dance, healing, some older methodologies to be able to allow these kids and these adults to be able to open up and to be able to um, heal. Now, that was my epitome that I, my hero, that I'm trying to live up to. So, this thought process was bred into me at a very, very young age, serving in a nonprofit organization. And I just want to be extremely real with you when you're a mom and you have kids, we do very well in the entrepreneur space because we know the balancing act, you know, and I don't want to say that's just moms because there's a lot of modern families and there's a lot of different, but we grow up learning how to use and be highly efficient with the bandwidth that we have. So-
0: no, well, okay. no, I, I, I was just going to interject. It, it, it's yeah. not, it, it is definitely moms, but I would say it's responsible parents in general. Yes. I, I think it, I think it's people, it, parents who are responsible for their kids' mm-hmm. futures and not absentee parents. You know, you could be a father, yeah. you could be a mother and not necessarily be there for the kids. No, you're yeah. talking about being there, cooking mm-hmm. dinner for them every night. And that takes prep, planning, it thought.
2: Does. But,
0: you know, you have you have to have major disciplines to mm-hmm. do that. And then you also have to have very clear boundaries about your time, how you're mm-hmm. using it, how, how you strategize it. And I think that that's really, I, it's something that a lot of people will talk about. It's difficult to accomplish, though. Like you can <laughs> give away all your secrets, which maybe we'll get into a little bit today, mm-hmm. but try to follow in the, in the footsteps. It's tough. Yeah. It requires that relentless discipline. I love that.
1: Absolutely. Um, Absolutely.
0: So, all right, we're already, we're already into it. And, and I just, I love how we're just, I love starting here. So yeah. uh, the Get It Done podcast is really all about the come up story. We use Elon mm-hmm. Musk as an example. He has a story from going to a million to a billion and then becoming the richest person in the world. That's great. Awesome. But yeah. What we're really focused on is the come up story, the zero to a million story. Mm-hmm. The best place to start that. And we already getting into it a little bit with your mother being a boss, babe. Um, well, how did you start your life? Where were you born? Mm-hmm. uh what, what were your parents like? You shared a little bit about your mother, maybe, maybe about your father. Where were you born? How'd you start your
1: life? Yeah. So I was actually born in Northern Arizona. Um, and my parents met um, in college. Um, my mom was raised um, with 25 kids on an Indian reservation. That story is going to be a movie at some point in time. Just crazy. Wow. Exactly what your Let's Get It Done podcast is about. My dad is from El Salvador. Um, I'm first generation on his side. Um, and just to give you a little smidge about what my dad is like, um, he graduated with an economics degree and two master's degree by translating out of a dictionary and being able to graduate that way. So um, I can't say it enough. And I'm one of those lucky individuals that was raised by a very solid, smart, united um couple and I know that I'm very fortunate to come from a foundation like that so that's where I was raised but don't let me even let me be very clear there's a lot of things that come with that so one of the things that I want to talk about is generational trauma, you know? Um, the experiences that my dad went through coming here, the racism that both of my parents experienced being on an Indian reservation or not speaking English and not having resources. So with their amazing story, there were things unintentionally transferred onto me that I had to deal with um, in finding my place of being, you know, a Salvadorena looking Latina, but also feeling Indian in my heart, different things that go into the workplace that I'm super passionate about talking about. But that's where I started off in Northern Arizona. They moved us down to the city in Mesa, Phoenix. And um, I grew up there. Uh, I grew up in a predominantly Hispanic neighborhood. um, And I went to, you know, the same Elementary school, high school that was down the street. I graduated from Mesa High. I was a jackrabbit. Um, and I graduated two years early when I was 16. Um, I am an avid learner. I love to learn. I was super, super focused on going into law and going to NYU. And um, my life and my journey took me another way when I ended up having my oldest son, Antonio, um, at the age of 18. And that kind of allowed me to be able to see now what can I do? And that came with all the other things, right? The stats were against me, all of these different things. And that's where I really in my life had to dig deep. Um, from the foundation that my parents gave me and what do I want to do? It's a different thing when you're a person on your own and it's a different, totally different world when you have these sweet, beautiful little eyes looking at you every single day. You are their hero. You are their everything. And I had to dig deep to to figure out what do I want to do with my life? And that's where the entrepreneurial stuff started really getting into my life because, and and really look appealing to me because, um, working a nine to five, which I did, it was hard. It was really, really hard with raising a family.
0: I think that it's impossible to impress upon someone who's not a parent how much it does change your life. I mean, it really is yeah. something where it's, um, you're wise and your entire everything changes. Yeah. And, um, and, you almost, it's, it's literally like a rebirth. The old you literally dies. You Mm -hmm. become a parent and, um, Mm -hmm. and there's some people that, you know, run away from it and there's some people that fully embrace it at 18 Mm -hmm. years old, you're embracing it. And, um, Mm -hmm. you mentioned a jackrabbit. Is that like the school? Um, okay. I I was just like, wait, I was a jackrabbit. I was like, is this some sort of term? But anyway, so before we go to high school though, I want to go back. I want to, I want to go to, um, you gave me so much to dig into there. So I, I love yeah. this. So there's so much like context here. Mm-hmm. First off, your mother grew up with 25 other kids on an Indian reservation, like to yeah. one, one parent?
1: To two parents, yes. They're 25 point, kids? 25, no exaggeration. Um, she had four living siblings and the rest of them... Um, My parent, my grandparents raised them. Unfortunately, in the reservation, there's a lot of addictions, a lot of things that have happened based upon how these people were treated that, um, you know, not a lot of resources to where literally people would drop off their kids knowing that my grandparents would take them in. Um, And it was the most amazing, it'll get me kind of choked up. Thing that I have embodied in my life and seen when we talk about legacy, both of my grandparents are deceased and seeing people show up and stand at the pulpit and talk about how they have impacted their life. And at that point in time, I learned legacy is basically the amount of lives that you touch. It's mm-hmm. none of this materialistic stuff that we're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, and that legacy that they left. I mean, gosh, just amazing, but it was literally 25 kids, how they did it. I don't know. I know um, my mom still stresses out when we get together for holiday events, because she wants to make sure everybody has enough food. Um, She has, it's just her and my dad, they have two extra rooms, because they're always taking people in. That's just where their heart was, and what they learned. And so I mean, like I said, very, very fortunate to grow up with parents like that.
0: What a cool thing to honor and to, you know, pass on. I mean, that's nice. such a great, uh, what a great influence. We talk a lot about that, that a lot on, on the show and uh, we talk a lot about, you know, a good friend of mine, Renee Rodriguez talks about um, generally everything that we do in life is to either heal our past or to honor our past. Yep. And it seems like there's two, two, it's twofold and some people do both. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like... Uh, I mean, what do you know? You get into into housing, and you know, you're helping people, you know, close on homes. I mean, which is, it's just it's it's funny how it all kind of full circles.
2: It does. Um,
0: yep. And okay, so, but your dad was from El, Sav- El Salvador,
2: uh-huh.
0: and I've known a couple people from El Salvador. That's probably probably would be about your father's age. That's that's I would say I've never met somebody that's come from El Salvador that was not a incredibly hard disciplined worker. Like right. That. Like incredible on discipline, how would you say your dad has impacted your life?
1: Oh my goodness. Um, my dad has the definite entrepreneur spirit, um, and has always, always worked so hard. Um, in regards to providing for his family. um, My dad, um, the relentless after discipline, my dad has been the most consistent person in my life in regards to always showing up. He is the one that taught me what loyalty looks like. He's the one that taught me how a man needs to love me. He's the one that has taught me how to show up for myself when people were dogging on me because I got pregnant because I come from such these parents that live their lives in such an impactful way and people found a reason to judge my parents based off my experience. My dad stood there with pride um, and stood by my side and said, I'm going to be a grandfather. It is what it is. And I'm looking forward to that. He is such a hard worker. I mean, could you imagine economics is hard enough? Yeah. Being a dictionary and being able to use that dictionary to, Have two master's degrees and be able to pass your classes not understanding the language of the country that you're in. And I think this is what a lot of people, either first generation or, you know, or before that, they talk about these things of these are our parents that are setting this example. They come to this country for this opportunity that is here, which makes the United States of America, you know, as amazing as it is and the struggles that they have to go through to be able to change the trajectory of their family's life. You know, and my parents both come from home beginnings. You know, we didn't grow up with money or anything like that. It was them doing the work and so he's left so much impactful things as you know the relationship with your father being a woman is very very important so um i've had a dad that has showed up for me my whole life and he still does and he's the typical latino father he called me about a couple months ago and this is hilarious i didn't answer my phone and i was super busy and he called me he's like that's it i'm like what he's like you're not responsible enough to have your phone i'm like "What?" And I'm like, Dad, I'm like 41. Like, you don't even pay for my phone. He's like, you have to answer your phone. So it's always like, where are you going? How are you going to get home? So he's uh, the epitome of that. Everybody calls him Tio Chico. I'm going to have a restaurant that I named after him. It's it's one of my dreams and my passions that I'm going to be doing. But um, huge impact in my life as a woman and has really showed me what a man should be is. And how is it to be loved by a man like that? It's been remarkable, to be honest with you. It's been amazing.
0: Well, I mean, how cool! And as a as as the father to a little baby girl, Miriam Joy, shout out to my daughter. I I love I love her more than anything, and I think that that's, I think that's an inspiration. Uh, Tio Chico, that's um, yep. that that that's really cool. Well, um, bring us to high school. So we're gonna Please. go to um, you're a Jack Rapid at Mesa High.
1: Yes,
0: <laughs> I love it. Oh, my Mesa
1: um, people are be so happy about that because it's one of the like. First high schools there, there was only like four, and so Mesa High was one of the original ones. So yes, Jackrabbit,
0: proud. We need to share this and like take Mesa Mesa High Jackrabbits, and yeah. um and, and honestly, I mean this you, you, dear, we could end the podcast right now. And your story is an inspiration, truly, just by the 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 upbringing that you had. Um, and we're gonna get into more stuff, but um, what was high school like for you? You mentioned that you you had more of us, you you were trying to be going to get into law. Um, And I'm sure that was your focus. What were uh, sports that you were involved in? What was your uh, first car, first job?
1: Yeah. So I am a tomboy. Um, I love to play sports. I can. I'm a mean second base and shortstop. Um, I would love to get on a league. I've been trying to do that. So I played sports. Um, I've been on the varsity softball team since I was a freshman. So it's something that I loved. I grew up playing sports. Um, but I would say softball was my love. I remember ninth grade, I decided to try out for cheerleading because my older sister did and I want to do everything that she did. I made tryouts, I made the team and I, and then basketball tryouts were the same day. And as I got my slip that I'd made the cheer team, the basketball tryouts, and I was like, and I went and tried out for the basketball teams last tryout and I made the team. So I was always going that way into sports. It's something that I love. Um, high school was a funny experience. I don't know. I, I always feel like, you know, you're growing so much. It's so crazy. You're trying to find your place. Um, a lot of ups and downs in high school um, because I had, I was a big dreamer, you know, and I went to school during the day and I did after school. I mean, who does that, right? Um, and so I was there a little bit longer because I absolutely was invigorated with learning and I am still that way if you put me in a new um, team or business I sit back I take all the information put the puzzle pieces together and then I move and that's just something that I guess is embedded in me but high school was I mean, the dances, all the different things. I thought I was an extrovert. I am not an extrovert. I am introvert for sure. So I am very comfortable like on stages and I can talk to people. But for a brief amount of times, I like to have my own space. I am a Scorpio. So I am loved being on my own. I love my solitude. Um, So high school was rough. I mean, there were some great moments in it, but at the same time, we're going through all of the crazy stuff and then boys and all of these different things. So my first job that I had in high school was like, literally I put applications to be like a telemarketer or whatever I could. And I ended up working for an airlines. Um, and it was my first sales job where we would get like a $250 commission for the month. It was huge. Right and um i noticed i was really good at it i was really good at talking to people i was really good at building rapport i didn't even know what rapport was back then and i was getting my bonuses all the time um but it was just something so i had weekend money let's let's be real you know i was in yeah. high school but right. i think that was the first indication that i thought huh of good at this like i do really well so that was my first job my first um car was um just an old it was like a jeep wrangler that i had um and i'm the baby of the family so i always got what my sister had and what my brother had but it didn't even matter because back in my days if you had a hootie i don't even know if you know what a hootie is but it was like it didn't matter what that's what we called it it didn't matter what type of car you had if you had a car It was, it was amazing. So, um, so that was kind of like my high school, you know, but I was anxious, I graduated at 16, because I was ready to get out. Um, I knew what high school was like my sophomore, my freshman year, like I took it in. And I just felt like I want to hurry up and get to my goals. So I graduated at 16 and started at MCC, which is a community college in Mesa. Um, taking classes and um being around a lot older people, which probably wasn't the best mixture. But um so I started taking um college classes at the age of sixteen.
0: That's I mean that's incredible. I have to I have to go back to the Jeep Wrangler part. So like I'm a big Jeep Wrangler
1: uh, yeah.
0: f- fan. And what do you know what year it was?
1: I, I don't even know what year it was. I was have- it
0: literally just a hoopty it literally oh, was yes. like it, it didn't almost didn't did it, like not run, not start a lot of the times.
1: My dad <laughs> do something in it all the time and I knew there was like a a couple of things this was like even pushing the the keys in it's like you got to hold the steering wheel a certain way and prop it up a certain way but I didn't care like I said back in those days um, it was just we had a car we could get to here and from and go to lunch with and we were happy with that so I was
0: good Uh, 100% what color was it black good old black Jeep Wrangler that's really cool Um. okay so I, 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 a lot, a lot more I can get into with this. I really, I really love this. So I love how you say you're an introvert. And I actually, I know mm-hmm. a lot of introverts that get up on stages and speak in front of, a yeah. of people and mm-hmm. have no problem doing it. But um, I, I challenge you on that. Cause I, I a lot of times I, I say that I'm an introvert too, but then people will be like, you're not an introvert. You're an extrovert. I can, I see uh-huh. you in front of people and you walk up to people and start talking to them or whatever it is. But it, I feel like I go back and forth. I feel like I'm a bipolar introvert, extrovert. <laughs> like, sometimes it picks yeah. me up with 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 energy. Sometimes it just completely drains me. Is that yeah. kind of what it's like for you? Or I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm just telling you that somebody listening to this, knowing that you get up on a stage and speak in front of a bunch of people, like, come on, introvert?
1: Well, here, here's what it is. I find that introverts are more focused on quality than quantity. So I can sit here and I can talk with you for hours and I can feel very <laughs> comfortable. So right. if, when you get me on a stage when I'm talking about something, and normally it's not longer than an hour, right? Like a half an hour to an hour. I'm very comfortable doing that. Um, but when it came to the crowd afterwards, it was like, it was great. And I remember um, the guy that I was with for my team, Chris, he was like, do you want to stay and do this? And I was like, let's just like sneak out the back door and go get something to eat, you know, after we network. So I feel like introverts can have extrovert questions qualities but um i do find that i get my peace my recharge when i'm on my own by myself just hanging out by myself so yeah i, I get that the bipolar stuff though i get it i get it i
0: mean right i mean it's it it's kind of weird because I, I i could absolutely do the same thing here and nah, i just want to exit yeah. out the back door and just be be, be get the heck out of here but um yeah, sure. so okay um telemarketing for the airlines. So like, what do you even telemarket for an airlines for? Like like, hey, do you want to buy a plane ticket? Like I mean, like what? Yeah. What are you selling?
1: So and by had, the way, at
0: 16,
1: yeah, I, mean, I know. And it was just a random job. I didn't I was just applying to jobs. I didn't know I didn't know anything, right? I didn't want to work retail or anything like that. So I was just always I I'm the person that always goes against the grain. I've just been that way. And sometimes I'm like, Rochelle, don't say it. But it needs to be said sometimes, you know? You're a and dreamer. So,
2: You're a dreamer.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's, you know, and it's seen something that I feel like, I always feel like a responsibility. So anyways, it was like wanting to do something different. So the airlines hired a third party that sold packages that came with their airline tickets. So although we were a third party, we could add um, kind of like packages where they would purchase. Now these days, you can get on Priceline and all these different things, and they can add car it was like different services like that. So when we would upsell a service with the airline ticket, you know, depending on how many upsells, we'd get that big, large bonus of $250 a month. And um so that was like, like I said, it was my first try at sales. And I happened to be really, really good at it. And um when I was good, it invigorates you when you do something you're good at, right? And I mean, I, right. I did. Yeah.
0: Well, and especially because, I mean, where you took it was, I mean, in the flipping, wholesaling, in, the, in this right. arena, it's um, like you better be good at calling people. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. mean that's, that's a skill that is much needed. If you don't have that skill, you're not going to be successful in that in that space. Right. And, um, and I know that that's where you take it. So, okay, you graduate at 16. I think that's incredible in and of itself. But then you go to M- uh, MCC Community College. You're, you're mm-hmm. having a focus on law. You're hanging out with a little bit older, older crowd. Um, mm-hmm. You meet your, your, your husband.
1: Correct? Um, my
0: ex-husband, yeah. Your ex-husband, got it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, that, well, I was guessing, sorry. That's, that's um, so you meet your ex-husband there <laughs> and, um, and then you're pregnant at 18 years old. Mm-hmm. What now?
1: Oh my goodness. Um, Yeah, growing up, one thing that I think a lot of ethnic people can resonate with me on is um, a lot of times we're not taught certain things, right? Um, It is kind of you learn through comedy or you learn from the jokes that your teos say or whatever it is. Um, So I wasn't well prepared in that way. Um, So I got uh, pregnant and um, obviously the first thing to do with two Hispanic families is they need to get married. They need to get married because they have a child together. Um, one thing that I could say definitely about my ex-husband um, is that I really, really got blessed. Um, he was a really good human being. Uh, we both weren't prepared, um, but he showed up for the responsibility and had a great supportive family. Um, and so, but it was teenagers raising a kid, um, right. to be completely honest with you. So it was a huge growing learning experience of being able to get my priorities in the right place. Feeling like I, to be honest with you, there was a lot of guilt that I had because I felt like I lost things in my life. My dream to be a lawyer, uh, which is so funny because all I do is work with attorneys now and I'm in teaching attorneys how to do creative deals, which is like crazy, um, was Just a dream that i've had i remember my mom telling me when i was like two years old oh my gosh you're going to be a lawyer um talking was something that was a skill set talking and that's why when i talked to you about my health issues that i had there were a lot of different growing experiences in there but it was we got married and we uh, did our best to provide an environment for a family Uh, we ended up having another kid together And basically, we just weren't prepared for that. And we ended up going separate ways. But part of us going separate ways and now co-parenting was really, really hard because um, my ex-husband decided to just take off and leave in another state, which left me to be a single mom uh, for a while. And I share that with you um, not to say anything about my ex-husband because he's a great individual. It's my journey. It's my journey to say that I raised these two boys and I had to pull all resources that I had to make it happen. And this is where real estate came into my life because I could not be gone from nine to five. I just couldn't. I didn't have a babysitter. I didn't have the money. I had my mom there that had health issues. And so this is where I buckled down and said, I'm just going to make it happen. And that's where I started to get into real estate.
0: So it, it, let's make it happen. Let's get it done. I love it. So it's yeah. so, okay. Okay. This is, I mean, this is a pivotal moment in your life and, and look, I get it. I mean, like a lot, like you're getting married. It's the, I have the best intentions here. You know, Mm -hmm. we're going to try our best and, and having two, to those that don't have two, two's a game changer. It just, and, um, it just, it really is. And, and look, you guys, it drove you guys apart maybe it wasn't supposed to be anyway. We were making what? the best out of a bad situation, whatever it is. It's a blessing. It's your story.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. You're wrong.
0: But you had to live it. So mm-hmm. here you are living it. It's tough. Um, you're now a single mother. How does real estate plop into your lap?
1: What's Please. your first
0: step in real estate?
1: Well, just like with um, education, I've always loved to work. Um, and that could be another podcast about how us women have a guilt from needing and wanting to work and not wanting just to be a stay-at-home mom. So i would worked in the finance. Some people, which,
0: some people don't have that. Believe me. Yeah. Or not that. Believe me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, but,
0: do, but the entrepreneur type. Yeah. Like the the the, the, the your word boss babe to follow yeah. in your mother's footsteps. Yeah. Yeah. I'm working. I'm going to get it done. Exactly. I
1: enjoy it and I want to do it. That's the thing too, you know, as I, I, yes. And so, um, yeah, it was a a definite pivotal part. So I was, I had done like teller jobs and done finance. Uh, and so I decided like, why start in a new industry and real estate was there. And how did I get, how did I see real estate? I was working as a business banker at Wells Fargo and this girl would walk in with her daughter and deposit these checks. And they were like commission checks, right? So I was like, and she has her coffee in her sweats. I'm like, what in the heck is she doing? Um, just like I did with all of my classes and learning, I I get to the top very, very quick. And so I went from retail to business banking within a year, became a relationship manager. And I was like, okay, I've, I've met the part of the retail banking where I'm at. So I'm going to go into mutual funds. And I started to work for Vanguard um and really starting to understand investments but at that same time um climbing that ladder at vanguard and becoming a relationship manager i could not work that nine to five so i decided to go and get my real estate license um, and to make that career change um and it was very very hard because at that point in time i was living paycheck to paycheck um and so i took my classes at night Luckily, I had my mom come in and support me. My sister come in and support me with watching my kids. And I did it as quick as I could. And I got my license in four weeks. Um, I took like an accelerated class, went and took my test, passed, um, and then immediately found a job with someone that wanted to give me an opportunity. This was back in 2008 during the short sell time. And at that point in time, I had to make that jump. Obviously, I could not work two careers At that time, I moved back in with my parents. It was very, very hard to do that because um, whenever you're out and you have your own and your own place, it was very, very hard to move back. But I needed to make that sacrifice to be able to do what I needed to do. And so, um, and that's how real estate came into my life as I worked for a guy named Travis Larson. It was during the short sale times and I uh, did very well. And he started me... Handling his paperwork, closing his deals, doing all these different things. So I thought I happened to be really good at it. Um, And that's where I kind of went into looking for someone to really train me on my skill set of being a realtor. And that was Keller Williams at that time. They had one of the best training programs. Um, I had learned the short sell side, learned that side working for my previous broker. I got into that side and quickly became a listing agent. Um, Really liked Closing the deals with the sellers, um, and I felt like it was an easier job for my lifestyle because as a buyer's agent, you're going and showing people properties. You know, I got really good at being a buyer's agent where I could only go out three times and we put an offer on and get accepted. But sometimes it was like another Saturday, so I was always thinking of my career. What's the what's the place where I need to be so I can be with my kids? And a listing agent was something that was a little bit more organized. I could plan my open houses. And plus, I loved closing the seller. And at that point in time, I was doing enough to where um, I could move out, get back on my feet, I'm still kind of living paycheck to paycheck, but just. Hustling. I remember leaving my office at Keller Williams at the summertime, grabbing McDonald's for my kids, dropping it off at lunchtime, running back, doing all these different things. It was such a crazy time in my life, but I had my energy in my 20s. Like I was good. I was working from like, you know, six in the morning to late at night. And it was a perfect time for me to do that. And there were a lot of parts in the journey that were really hard for me. It's like my oldest son, unfortunately carried some weight that I wish he didn't have to carry. Um, But that's part of the story of being a single mom and the community around me really came and uh, stepped up for me in regards to my neighbors, in regards to my parents, in regards to uh, resources with schools. And, and I just kept hustling and hustling and hustling. Um, So that's kind of how real estate started and kind of, the journey as far as being a real
0: estate agent. I mean hustled you hustled harder and harder and harder. Something yeah. had to give. Something yeah. had to give. And what's gonna give? Well I can wake up earlier. I can hustle. I can stay up yeah. later. I can hustle. Yeah. I mean it's really it's 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 so cool that I met you at the hustle harder event and we can just yeah. use that. Like right. Here's a little meme <laughs> meme for hustle harder. So okay right. um like you mentioned that your um you mentioned that your son would carry some of the weights and mm-hmm. you don't I mean you don't sound particularly proud of this. I'm not trying to bring it up, but I but I'm mm-hmm. also trying to say like look, this is the part where like things have to give. Mm-hmm. And and there's humble beginnings here. We're living paycheck to paycheck here. Yeah.
2: What,
0: what did your what how did your son have to pick up pick up pick up some of the weight because at the, this point he's probably what like 6 years old, 7 years old ish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um I, 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 wh, 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 by that do you mean that he had to just grow up a little bit quicker?
1: Yes, absolutely. He was uh, my my uh, first two kids are barely two years apart, if that. So they're close in age. So um, having appointments and doing things like that, it was him having a cell phone at seven years old and him having the key to the house and walking his brother home, you know, locking the doors, calling me that they got there okay, fixing the after school snack, doing things of that sort, waiting for me to come home. Um, It was a lot of him waiting on me to do what I could to be there. Um, There's a lot of stories in that that are very, very hard for me where I missed not just moments, like totally just missed like Mother's Day breakfast and totally missed things that were important that impl- like really affected my kids because you, you- you know, the best scenario is to have two parents. And as one parent, although they have taken from my example, and they have a high level of respect for women, there's a lot of things that I, weren't, I wasn't able to do. And unfortunately, like I talked about with my parents, we don't intentionally want to affect our kids like that. But did it affect my kids? Absolutely. Did it affect me not having a father in the house? Absolutely. Um, Me being so busy, uh, there were times, you know, through future counseling sessions, they're like, Mom, I just felt this way. And it's so heart-wrenching because if I knew that, but my main focus was I need to feed these kids. I need a better scenario. So there's a lot of grace and forgiveness. Like my story is hustling. My story is I got it done. But that, that story is healing forgiving myself, having grace, and asking for forgiveness. And hopefully that my story has implemented to my kids to see she had to do what she had to do to get it done, because she was the mother and the father at that time. And I did the best I could.
0: I mean, that's so beautiful and I could just, the the passion just oozes out of you when you say that. It's just like, this this means a lot to you. And like, look, had you, sure, if you could wave your magic wand, it'd be a different way. And I don't think you're, you talk about this regretfully. It's just like, look, I have some remorse. I wish yeah. I could have changed it if I could have. But at the end of the day, I had to put food on the table. And as mm-hmm. a, starting out in real estate, entering it with a paycheck to paycheck, Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have a lot of money when I started in the industry either. And like, you, you make phone calls, you're making cold calls. Like I need to sell, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yes. and, in uh, different industry, different time, different, lots of stuff. Right. Um, but, um, well, I, I started in 2007, so I don't know a similar time, but mm-hmm. it's just, it's not, it, 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 it's really challenging to impress upon somebody what it's like to be on straight commission when you're on, if you're not on straight commission and you have to sell and Oh, by the way, your son's preparing food for, 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 for his younger Mm -hmm. brother. And like, I need to make this work. I need to make this happen and then go out and sell. It's a tremendous amount of pressure. And it's something that I don't think many people really truly understand unless you're in it. Mm -hmm. But I, I can tell you this, our our audience is generally that, that, that that type of people, um, what just while we're here for a second what were what was the hardest thing about that and when did you finally dip your head ab- ab- above water
1: mm-hmm. well the hardest thing about that was um my kids and not being able to be there as i needed to be there but I am a big solution person. I don't like to complain. I don't like to see scenarios of, you know, um, I'm a victim. I'm never in that place. So what I did is I focused on quality and efficiency. And let's speak to that because you guys, I get a lot of people that are DMing me and things like, I want to do this. I want to work for you, things of that sort. You need to have a clear, transparent picture about what the grind looks like in the beginning. And this is what funnels out people all the time. Well, I needed to learn how to make six hours of calls within four hours of calls. I needed to learn how to be highly efficient, which is a game changer in this industry to be able to be at home. So this is where um, my skills of, you know, being a good learner Um, understanding and being a good observer. And what can I take from these people so I can accelerate that? So that's what I did very well. And that process was hard because once again, I'm not able to be there with my kids, but I became highly efficient to where at that point in time, I was paying attention to my scenario. Now, what was going on in my scenario? I had my boss, Mr. Herful, And he was closing deals. We would do these deals. We would have these calls where we would call and just ask people, do you want to sell? And do you want a cash offer? Actually, do you want a cash offer? Yes, you want a cash offer. We take that property, comp it, and send it over to our cash buyers. I started to look at that and say, no inspections, no Binzer, closing in 15 days, all cash. So much easier. What is this? Right. Right. And here's another thing that we can talk about. I've worked for a lot of men. They've taught me wonderful things. They are part of the reason why I am where I am today. but I got I got stuck in that box. I got stuck in there. you know you're good right here, Rochelle, stay there. And right. I'm not the woman that you tell that to. I don't sit very well with that. I will stay there and I will learn and I will be humble and I will know that it's patience and I need to build my skill set. But if you ever try to put me in a box, it's it's just not going to happen. So I was relentless. Tell me about how are you comping these deals? How are how are you knowing what offer to send it at? Who is your buyer? And he kept telling me and not entertaining any type of conversations that I had. So once again, my gut never steers me wrong. Rochelle, you need to move. And so it was another jumping into another industry of the investment side. Now, if you're a realtor, and I spoke about this at the Hustle Hardler event, and you're in investments, there's a big wall between us. There's a big wall to where the you know retail side doesn't really like the investment side, and the investment side attracts a big crowd to where the reason why people don't like wholesalers, all these different things, and I was wanting to make it that way once again to be able to close more deals be more highly efficient and put more money in my bank account.
0: I love that. My goodness. It's <laughs> just like here <you're>, like <laughs> your words are just like a boxer just
2: oh <laughs>
0: you're just like hitting it, hitting it hitting it hitting it. I love it because look, yeah. you, you I I love don't don't put me in a box. It's cuz you're a dreamer. I mean like you know mm-hmm. you're trying to make things better and and being that, that that highly efficient, you know, relentlessly after discipline, I think that that's something that it doesn't matter if you're in wholesaling or not.
2: Yeah. I think that's something
0: that you can apply to being a retail mortgage loan officer. You can apply to being a retail real estate agent or an insurance agent or a financial planner. How can you do more with yes. less? How yeah. can you take six hours crammed into four? Mm-hmm. How can you raise kids? while doing this? How can you be a single mother? I mean, it's just like, it, it, I it, I just, I love it. I, I just like, you're just like killing it, killing it, killing it. So, okay. I, I want it. I want to advance now. So okay. you get into this new world. And to be honest with you, it's a little foreign to me. Um, I, I, it, I, w- I was telling you before we hit record, this is kind of like a world that it's a different world. It really is. And I absolutely can see and relate to the people that look at wholesaling as it's like these weird people mm-hmm. or like different people, or I don't know how you describe it, but I could see where the, there'd be friction yes, um, or, or just a mismatch of personalities and it can seem fake or, yeah. um, dare I say salesy or, um, yeah. I, I don't know what what uh, um, MLM like multi level marketing type, yeah. type type style stuff. Uh, yeah. but, but but here's the thing though, I I, I interviewed Tony Romero uh, who mm-hmm. ran, who ran the hustle hustle harder event. He's 22 years old and he's going to make a million dollars this year. I love it. He's a millionaire driving yep. his Mercedes around. Where should I go for steaks tonight? And it's like all the <laughs> at, 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 in 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 Milwaukee. And like look though, but. The thing is, was, is that I interviewed him too. He worked three jobs.
2: Yeah.
0: And, and I mean, and, and I mean, like, he, compared to me and you, he's a young kid, but he's crushing
2: yeah. it. Yeah. And, he,
0: and he, in his very first deal, he, he, he made $24,995. I remember the amount. It's just I like, and like, how can you forget that amount?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I guess if you were to talk to somebody that looks at it like, number one, it's fake. Or number two, it seems shady in some way. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that person? And I guess, how would you, I guess, change their mind that this is real and also not shady?
1: Well, I think a lot of the people that you're talking about is probably the people on the retail side, right? That have this... bullfish kind of like this one perception of what they've been taught because as a real estate agent we're not taught a lot about investments they are becoming more popular I, I met up with the people that were at the hustle Harley event the exp people and they're actually launching a wholesaling program which is innovative and amazing but the thing about it is is it's more focusing on the way that I kind of tried to open up people's um, perceptions to this is listen you're a realtor and your job is to provide a solution to a buyer and a seller. And you have one way to provide a solution and that's going to the retail market. Now, what if you could provide more solutions to other people and do it the right way and bank on what you've been taught as a realtor? And that's something that I feel like realtors bring to the game like myself. Transparency, disclosure, knowing contracts, being held to a higher um, standard because we are a part of, like, I'm a part of Severar in Arizona. You know, we bring this professionalism and different resources so we can provide more solutions to more people. So I asked them, why not have more skill set so you can serve more people? Isn't that what we're trying to do anyway? And be one of those people in that industry where people can say, I worked with Rochelle. She brought my home cash and the way that she handled this transaction was great. Like, let's change that. But I I think you're exactly right because it's an unlicensed industry. And I do feel like it is going that way where people are going to be licensed that attracts the masses, just like the entrepreneur lifestyle. There's so much fluff and all these different things on Instagram and the cars and all these things that are great, but it doesn't portray the actual lifestyle of what it's like to do it. So it tracks the masses. And therefore when you attract the masses, there's just going to be people that are not honest that only want to get paid and leave a horrible perception for sellers or buyers. So we can take that and take control of that and change that by, like I said, and that's the conversations that I have with realtors that are there, it's getting that way where they're a little bit more open-minded and let's work together. Let's collaborate. Right. You know, I always step to you an investor as an investor first, then I put my realtor hat on, but let's collaborate and let's change the industry. I mean, we can't, like I said, we can't sit here and complain if we're not doing anything about it. So yeah,
0: Rochelle, you, you bring a ton of integrity to it. And I think that yeah. it it might even come from being a licensed realtor. And mm-hmm and actually, you know, practicing and doing it yeah. and hustling that piece to it. And you mentioned, you know, the, uh, the exp people, uh, Jesse and Lisa Garcia, good friends of mine. I, I really love all of them over there. I've actually interviewed, I think every, literally almost every single one of the, the exp people that were there, I've interviewed on, on this show and, um, and yeah, they're, 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 they have a different mindset. I, I love they how do. they're, they're turning up the industry, but, um, so, okay. I want to, I, I want to bring our story to um what it is that you actually do. So to an mm-hmm. outsider that doesn't know what is wholesaling, what is flipping, I think people mm-hmm. know what flipping is. What is whole I think wholesaling is more as what it is. And what is a TC? Mm-hmm. And um yeah, what was a TC? What what is wholesaling and and how do you like you you already talked about how you started it? Mm-hmm. What is it, and then how'd you go out to do your own?
1: Yep. Okay. So um, wholesaling is basically when you're buying a property at a discount. You're buying at a discount, a deep discount, normally anywhere from 70, 75% ARV so that you can either um, assign it to an end buyer that can either fix and flip it or buy and hold it. So wholesaling is always buying a property at a discount. Um, so the properties that when you're driving down your street and they're boarded up or the non manicured lands, that is what we live for as wholesalers to be able to get those leads, to be able to uh, pay out the seller and to buy it deep enough so we can fix and flip it or either buy and hold it. So that's what wholesaling is. Pretty simple. Um, TCN is basically a transacting coordinator. Um, so these are the people that are in the day to day. So once you lock down that contract with the seller, They will open up escrow and manage that whole process until close of escrow. So they are in the weeds, looking at the preliminary Tata report, looking to make sure earnest money was deposited, making sure that all of the elements of the transaction are good to go. So you can close on the property. They are one of the most imperative pieces to your team is having a very high skilled TC. It'll change your business. It'll actually change your business. Now what I'm doing now is I am more in the creative finance space. Um, and that's where I've gotten a little bit more popular and a lot to what I speak on. Um, and so, And I'm probably one of a couple of the only women that are talking about it. So the creative finance is basically being able to close all other leads that are not wholesale leads. So we do have people that, let's say, don't have a lot of equity in their home and you can't buy it deep. We can provide solutions to them by seller financing their home or doing a novation agreement. So creative finance is the power of being able to provide solutions to almost anybody. Now, does that mean everybody's going to fall in there? No. The bottom line is getting your skill set to a place where you could do wholesale creative and the retail, but the creative option is amazing because we are able to help people that are in distress and not in distress. Now what I have done is because I've been a realtor and an investor, obviously I know the paperwork. Um, and so I breeded a new TC totally changed the industry, which I'm very proud to say. And what I've done is I've hired TCs that are salespeople. They are not just pushing paperwork around. My TCs at Constant Close are not only drawing up the purchase contract, but they're getting on the phone with your seller and executing that deal. So your seller is going to say, okay, we're doing a subject to deal. That's great. Um, I don't feel comfortable with someone else making my loan payment knowing that my name stays on the loan. And unless you can protect me, I really don't want to do this deal. My TCs are going to come in and they're going to talk about the protections. They're going to talk about servicing. They're going to talk about the due on sale clause. They're going to talk about deed and lure foreclosure. So we were able to breed a different TC that can really help you implement on creative deals. So that's what I'm doing right now. But what I'm really focusing on in 2022 is really showing my sales background. Um, Because I've had a lot of success with Constant Close over these last two years, a lot of people have put me in that box because that's what they see, right? No, no, nobody's fault. It's just what they've seen me do. But that's one of my businesses. But where I feel comfortable, where I feel alive, is on the stage and closing sellers so I want to let people come into my world and to see what me and my husband are doing now in regards to our marketing um, our funnels all the different things and how we are being super successful in the creative finance realm I live in Oceanside California I'm from Arizona and I took my property down with a non-distressed seller with a hybrid deal um, and being able to live in our dream place um, by using the power of creative finance. Now,
0: well, I, I just I have to say this. I, I just I love this. So as as a, as a licensed loan officer with 15 years of experience, right, I can drop terms like LTV and yeah, you know, and all these things that are generally most most realtors are going to know but yeah. you're talking in a different language. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm yeah. saying it to yeah. you because
2: like,
0: I, I mean, like they were bringing up wraps and, yeah. um, and, and that's what you're describing when you, when you're talking about how, you know, well, uh, creative financing is where they keep the loan. You're using their money to, for them to keep the home, but you're taking ownership of it and then mm-hmm. renting it out or whatever. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, it's it crazy is. stuff i mean it i is. should say it's crazy it's complicated it's complex mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. but but it's it's just it's fascinating to me i guess d- 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 my typical audience is def- is not going to understand what 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 that i shouldn't say is not going to understand i don't want like, dis- to like downplay my audience you can
1: down if you want like if you want to explain what a traditional creative sure here,
0: well, here i guess what you just said i just want to break down like one thing so like a creative mm-hmm. financing deal is They don't necessarily have a ton of equity, but you're still going to buy the house with them keeping their mortgage. You do a wrap mortgage on it, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: which, like, as a as a a retail mortgage loan officer, it's just foreign language to me.
2: Yeah,
0: and I mean, you're not even using your own money, and like, and this is somehow allowed. This is legal.
2: Yes, and and
0: and like all above board. There's tons of paperwork. That's that's all legit. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess here, explain it to someone that doesn't necessarily know all about it, like, me. <laughs> like right.
1: me. Let's talk about it. He's talking about a sub two rap. So what subject two is, is it's a strategy. A
0: sub it's two a... rap. I just, just.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I know, I know what you're talking about. Just, so, I think um,
0: it, I'm sorry, I'm just calling it out. It's funny. Yeah, no, so it's funny. It
1: when I got into it too, I was like, are you kidding me? I tell people this all the time. I was like, I'm talking to my parents and they're just like, what are you talking about? Okay. So subject to is basically, right. Where you're, it's a strategy to take down a property, just like wholesale is. Um, So what you're doing is you, the seller's name stays in place on the loan that Jimmy has given them. Okay. So let's say with Wells Fargo, You come in as an investor, depending upon their scenario, if they have equity, non-equity, I'm not going to go into all the different disposition strategies, but we can help all of those sellers, whether they have equity, distress, non-equity, with creative finance disposition strategies. But for this example, the subject two is we disclose to the seller, your name will stay in place on the loan. So what does that mean? We are leveraging their credit, not my credit. So I don't need to get credit from anybody or go to a loan officer and we will make those payments for you with all the assurances, all the transparency, but the deed is going to transfer into my name as the buyer. So the deed transfers into my name and I am paying on the seller's loan where their name stays in place on the loan. Now, what happens here is now that the deed is in my name, what do I want to do with it? Do I want to fix and flip it or do we want to wrap it? So let's talk about wraps since we're talking about that wrap you just think of a hug like you're wrapping someone so these terms on this wells fargo loan let's say a hundred thousand dollars at four percent okay we're going to put a little rehab money into it let's say fifteen thousand and at that point in time then we can wrap it at a higher purchase price and a higher interest rate let's say 150,000 dollars at six percent now why can we do that The people that you disqualify, Jimmy, that are not getting qualified for loans because of their credit, they have the money to put down a down payment. Maybe they had something happen to where their credit was affected by a foreclosure or divorce. These are what we called homestead buyers, people that want to be homeowners but cannot use traditional credit To purchase a home, and they are everywhere. A lot of entrepreneurs, people, so many different individuals. So these homestead buyers, which we have access to, and we use people like Jimmy to send these referrals our way, is the people that will say, "You can be a homeowner, and this home is at one hundred fifty thousand at six percent, and you're going to give me a down payment of twenty thousand dollars, and we are providing a solution for the seller, for ourselves." And for the homestead buyer, so what's in it for me as the buyer is that cash flow. The difference between the hundred thousand in place subject to loan and the wrap loan at one hundred fifty thousand, let's say the difference in that payment is three hundred dollars. That's what I'm taking in my pocket every single month. Now, when we pay off this underlining loan with Wells Fargo, then I take all of that cash flow. And keep in mind, I got that twenty thousand dollar payment also so this is a creative strategy to be able to help the seller and the seller could have been in distress there's a lot of people going through distress that have been in covid forbearance people that cannot make their loans current i will come in and make their loans current i will reinstate their credit and they're happy with them i will give them a little bit of cash to get into a rental they're happy with this as long as the transparency is there about what type of transaction they are involved in and then I give somebody a property to live in that couldn't qualify any other way that are homestead buyers and that are so excited to be homeowners. So this is the power of creative finance. You know, this person cannot go to the retail market. This person cannot pay commissions. And this person didn't have that $15,000 for rehab. And I've reinstated their credit. I've got a property and walked into it when it only has, you know, let's say $15,000, 15, 15 years left on the loan, right? So I have a solution for me, I'm able to wrap it. So that like I said, this is the power of creative finance, of opening up our minds and realizing there are more ways to take down properties, more ways to serve sellers to serve homestead buyers, and more ways to make referrals. Like we're in business together, Jimmy, like the people that don't qualify, I can help them. And the right. people that need to qualify need to go see you. So it's a big network mm-hmm. of working together and collaborating.
0: And at the end of the day, it's all about helping people. And yeah. um, I, I talk about this a lot. It's about it's about the relationships with the people that you have. That's really the biggest power that you have. It's not just about can I get you approved for a retail loan that literally everybody else can can do. Well, no. If you come to me, I can. I'm, I'm on team get it done. Like what mm-hmm. we're going to make this happen. Maybe I help you out, but maybe I send you to somebody that can. Um, I want to, I, I want to go to, to, to constant close. I, I thank you for that explanation. I think yeah. that's super helpful. And then, uh, so, okay. If, if let's just say I, I go, I'm, I'm driving through Milwaukee. I find a house.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's got their, their, their lawn is overgrown. There's boarded up windows. I somehow I'm walking down the street. I found this seller. Hey, I'm going to buy your house in cash.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Negotiate a deal. I think I could do it. I come to Rochelle and, and Rochelle does what?
1: I take it off your hands and handle the whole process. So we can get in and negotiate it for you. So you could send me your deal and say, I think I have a deal. We've agreed to these terms. I will comp it and say, you know what? You're great. You bought it. Let's execute it. Or I'll say, we need to renegotiate it. So I will help you lock it down with the seller, get on the phone with the seller, and you will leverage me as your partner. That's nationwide. That's nationwide. You'll say, I have this girl who owns this business, with Constant Clothes. She's um, my business partner, and she's been in the industry for 15 years. She's, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to help you execute it. I'm going to manage the whole transaction process, and then I'm going to help you sell it. We're going to make sure that you can learn the process, not just earn the money, learn the process. I tell everybody when you're done doing a deal with us, that you understand the process. We're wanting to teach it, and then we help you close it and sell it. So we help you from the very beginning to the very end. We want to make sure that everybody is making money. For us, it's not making a lot of money on one deal uh, because we know the money is going to come, right, with the quantity of deals we're doing. But it's teaching the process so that you're a better investor and helping you from A to Z.
0: My goodness. Okay, that was really awesome. And, um, boy, I... I, you're right. We could talk for like another hour, but look, we're limited on time. So I, um, I there's there's a there's a couple of questions that I ask everybody that comes on the mm-hmm. show, and I want to make sure that I, I get these out. So I want to I want to go for these. So all right, first one is this: Do you feel like you ever got a big break?
1: Yes, I do.
0: Elaborate. Elaborate.
1: My big break was when I aligned myself with my intention of wanting to get into the creative real estate space. And I prepared myself to do that. Um, one of my mentors have been Pace Morby. On and I owe him so much gratitude for opening up so many opportunities for me. Um, and he posted on something, and I was ready for that challenge. And at that point in time, I couldn't bring anything to Pace Morby on the creative side besides handling his paperwork. And that's what he needed, and I could do it very well. So I leveraged it. I was relentless. I I have the messages on Facebook and uh, DMing him. So that was my break. Um, and for him to give me the opportunity, but he told me, about a month ago, but you had to do something with it. But I wouldn't have been able to do something with it unless he had given me that opportunity. So that was my break.
0: Shout out to Pace.
1: Shout out to Pace. Absolutely. Yep.
0: If you were to do it all over again, Rochelle, what would you change?
1: I think if I could do it all over again, I think... I would have changed my environment. That's one thing that I I felt like I've learned the lesson over and over again. Um, how imperative your environment is. Um, part of me staying in scenarios where I felt like I was put in boxes was because of me not seeing my worth and me not doing the internal work and not having the courage to be able to really know and understand that I was in control of my environment. Um, I had a lot of the same type of bosses until recently. And I had to say the common denominator was me and accepting these types of environments. So it's that myth or that phrase that we hear growing up. You are who you hang out with. And when I was 15, I was like, yeah, right. I'm not going to do that but you are. What do they say? If you hang out with four rich people, you're going to be the fifth. If you hang out with four poor people, you're going to be the fifth. And that is the most important thing. All of these things in real estate have been taught forever. This is not brand new. Creative real estate is not brand new. The knowledge is there guys. You have YouTube, you have Google, the thing that you need to control. And I wish I would have implemented earlier is my environment. Please pay attention to who you're talking to, how they speak, and the environment that you're in. It is the biggest game changer in your career, in your success, and in your life, 100%.
0: Gosh, I love that. I couldn't agree more. Was there ever a time, Rochelle, you felt like giving up?
1: Yes, two years ago. Um I had uh, constant closes in year three um, and year two, I had partnered with a partner that was um, in the real estate space, but they were in a different sector of real estate, which was education. Uh, we became great friends. I made some great contacts, but it really set me back a year um, because I was not in the right environment. And at that point in time, I had the blessing of having too many deals I didn't know what to do with. But I had my right hand girl, Jasmine, Jasmine Glasgow out of Atlanta, where we were each doing like 60 to 70 transactions on our own. And Seeing her work as hard as she was working and not being able to support her because of the partnership that I was in was a very hard thing to do because I always wanted to embody being the best leader and I was ready to give up because, um, when you partner with someone, there's so many different elements, right? And you don't control all of the decisions. And I, at that point, I knew I was with the wrong partnership. As amazing as people they were, we weren't aligned. They didn't look at the business that I did. And it really impacted myself and my employee. And I was like, screw it. And what happened was I was, was going to renew my contract. And I took that leap of faith again. I didn't. And then I had someone call me the next following day um that saw the vision of constant close with me which is crazy how things in the universe aligns but there was a time that I I really felt like giving up but let's be real I feel like the entrepreneur lifestyle is you always reach those moments at times because growth is uncomfortable you guys this and they, I mean all of this is like I do have some days sometimes I was telling my husband the other day okay hey, I just want to stay home I think I just he's like yeah you drive yourself crazy in two weeks and want to get back to work but I think there's we we need to be transparent and say that happens quite often, but two years ago was an implemental part where I was like really thinking about giving up. I'm glad that I didn't, but I think it's part of the journey too. where growing sometimes it can seem a little bit hard. I don't know if you've experienced that of where sometimes it happens, you know, through that, through that journey, the process.
0: You know what? I I actually, I talk about this a lot with, uh, I I mean, I'm kind of a nerdy guy that talks a a a lot about this with people, but I have these conversations and you know, Sometimes you have to get to the top of the mountain to realize that there's nothing there. And it, there's nobody there, especially if you didn't bring anybody with. And the thing about it is, is that you're only alive on the way up. You're only alive on the journey. And mm-hmm. I'm convinced fully that it's not just about the good times. You know, when we're dead, we're not gonna feel anything. The bad times are good too. Yeah. And it's just your perspective. I was alive. This yeah. happened. Yeah. I didn't mean for it to happen this way, mm-hmm. but had it, had it not, I wouldn't have been here.
2: Yeah, and exactly.
0: I think that, I think that every point in your life, and like here, I haven't shared with a ton of people, but I'm struggling with some personal stuff right now. That's very yeah. challenging. And, um, but it's bringing out the best in me in other ways. Mm-hmm. And you can focus on the negative and the bad and the part of you that's dying, or you can focus on the part that's being born. And I think that I think that a lot of times I think that's a perspective thing. It is it's really tough when you're in it. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's almost impossible, especially mm-hmm. to tell somebody that doesn't have that uh, like
1: understanding, yeah,
0: that, that faith mm-hmm. in it. And, and really, to a younger person, I, I would say yeah, to sure. to, an, to an older person that's been through some some stuff, yep. you know, it's it, it's a little bit easier to have that faith and and to uh, be like, look, things are going to get better. You're going to get that phone call the next day. Yeah. And that has to happen. Like truly, like if it happened a week later, every day up until the, you would have been stressed out, even though, you know, it's coming. But yeah. the thing is, is that like that, that's that I, I think that I, I'm convinced that that is what it is all about. I think that that feeling that's living, being yeah. on that journey and accepting all the all the punches is um is a big thing. So, all right. Final question here Okay, to set it up. There is a young Rochelle out there. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Maybe they're the daughter of a boss babe that grew up with 25 other kids. Maybe they're the daughter of a man that grew up in El Salvador, getting an economics major, reading out of a dictionary. Maybe they come from Mesa High School. They're a jackrabbit. Maybe they're a tomboy. Maybe they're an introvert. Maybe they're a dreamer. Maybe they're struggling with a midlife crisis. Maybe they're just starting out in real estate, living paycheck to paycheck. Maybe they're moving back into their parents' home. Maybe they were put into a box. What advice would you give to someone looking to get it done?
1: You need to love yourself. You need to remember who you are and who you came from and you stand with many. You need to understand that your experiences in life and everything that you go through is going to be how much you love yourself. All experiences, all emotions are built out of two things, fear or love. Choose love and, and understand that when you love yourself to such a level that all of the journey and the experiences and the ups and the downs will be such an easier battle to understand that the rejection wasn't because you were unworthy, the rejection, because the universe was putting you on a different path. The rejection of somebody not loving you wasn't because you were lovable. It's because they didn't know how to love the rejection of someone putting you in a box that offered them some security. Wasn't because there was something wrong with you it was because you offered that to them and it had nothing to do with you internally. So girlfriend, love yourself. Learn how to love yourself, love yourself loudly and understand that when you love yourself loudly, people are going to start to hate on you. People are not going to want to be around you. So all of this is always going to be based out of love and fear. Choose love and learn how to love yourself so you can operate in the world as being you and nobody else, because that is your superpower.
0: Choose love. And love yourself, girlfriend.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And boyfriend, whoever it is. I mean, that's <laughs> what it's about. That's what it's about, you know? The journey, it's like, I wanna experience joy every single day. Like, I just, I have like this in, you know, thing in me. It's just like, it, that. that's just what it's about. It's what it comes down to. In 100%. my- 100%.
2: Yeah.
0: 100%. Boy, I love that. What a fire answer. Um, All right. I want to thank our audience for joining us today. I especially want to thank Rochelle for spending all this time with us. And uh, Rochelle, if somebody wanted to reach out to you to connect, what would be the best way for them to do so?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to give you guys two different places to go. Um, Hit me up on Instagram, which is the Rochelle Jarvis. Um, And that's where I'm at quite often. Um, If you guys are really interested in learning about creative finance and having I wanted to give free education to everybody nationwide. Please join our Facebook group. It's creative real estate with constant clothes. Um, and we're there just to help everybody nationwide. So you can hit me up in both places. Uh, usually get back to you really quick. Would love to hear from you guys.
0: All right. I love that. Um, and thanks for that. And yeah, absolutely. Do give a, give a follow to our good friend over here. We're going to put um, uh, uh, links to social in the podcast description, as well as a, a link to the, uh, to the Facebook group. And look, I can tell you firsthand that Rochelle just is a wealth of knowledge and just wants to give it out. And um, if you're interested, definitely check that out. All right. This has been the Get It Done podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And if you've liked the show and you want to support us, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you open up your Apple iPhone's open up this podcast scroll all the way to the bottom and just tap the five star like could you do that like yeah. i mean it would help me out a ton
2: yeah
0: thanks, for, th- thanks rochelle for 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 giving your endorsement on that that'd be that would be great write us a review uh with with what you've liked and um hit that subscribe button tell a friend all those things make a huge difference in helping us reach more people once again i am jimmy ryan this is Ben. the get it done podcast thanks so much for listening
1: see you later